Hello and welcome to the Dice of Screaming Podcast. I'm going to be your host today, Randy, just me. So we're going to be talking about some Starfinders. So let's buckle up and blast off because we're going in right now. Right, so talking about Starfinder, uh, you may have or may not if you're a long time, not a long time listener of this podcast, know that we've kind of had a love-hate with Starfinder, the role-playing game. And well, I'll let you figure out the reasons for that. It's uh, reasons to delve back in some of our episodes. I'll just keep it short and sweet. There was some, I think, miscues when we first started playing Starfinder because I purchased the game quickly when it came out. I was rather hyped about it. And I introduced it to uh, my Saturday gamers. And I don't think they quite grasped the concept of what was going on. And that's partially my fault because uh, as the Adventure Path was being published, I didn't quite know where it was going, but I definitely know where it was starting. And I was able to communicate that that uh, this is the early entry into, or first entry, from, to be honest, <laughs> for everyone getting involved. So we kind of just had to learn as we went. And we were also learning and struggling with the rules a little bit. Uh, they are much different than the original first edition Pathfinder, although there's m- many, many similarities that I think are going to be coming up with... Uh, Pathfinder 2nd Edition doing a remaster, probably uh, seeing a Starfinder remaster. It's not going to be out of the question in the next year or two. But as that looms, there's also, uh, they're doing an upgrade. But in the meantime, this is a good time to get on board with the Starfinder role-playing game with the Solidarity Bundle. They've done several Humble Bundles in the past, and they've done uh, quite a good job putting together a good plethora, a plethora of content and material for you to download, PDFs and physical products. But this one, um, I'm not so certain that the physical product would be as necessary. If you're already well established in Pathfinder, maybe you haven't had the Alien Archive 2 hardcover, this might help you out as well as uh, the Critical Hit deck if you don't have that, picking that up for about 50 bucks plus. 27, about 27 or so um, PDFs, and including a uh, the six chapters of the Adventure Path Crash, or excuse me, Fly Free, or I don't know why I started with Crash, but I did. Also, a lot of flip maps besides just the basic Starfield, which if you didn't have it, well, here you go, as well as all the Alien Archives 1, 2, and 3. Included some other uh, Starfinder adventures, a one-shot called Redshift Rally, which looks kind of interesting, as well as the core rulebook, the beginner box, and uh, Game Master Screen and Starfinder portfolio for character portfolio in PDF form. So you get some nice split maps in here, like the asteroid base, uh, ghost ship, and jungle world, as well as um, a pond collection, so you can print those out as you need for both Alien Archive and the player character of Core Rulebook. So, yeah, if you were ever interested in getting into Pathfinder or Pathfinder, goodness, Starfinder. I'm going to have to watch myself on that one. If you're ever interested in getting into Starfinder, getting on the ground floor of that, yeah, this would be a good time. And for about, I would suggest about 25 bucks if you want to go all in and don't want any physical products, you just want PDFs, that would be a great price entry, as well as just $5. And that would get you 
let's see, the core rulebook, Alien Archive, uh, the beginner box, as well as the player character portfolio, and the Game Master screen, as well as the first chapter of Fly Free or Die, We're No Heroes. And of course, you can always tip more, give more to the charity. That's always appreciated. It is the Trevor Project, so it is uh, quite recommended to help out with those folks down there. Anyway, um, that's this is a good time to get on it, and it's a good subject to cover because we really haven't reviewed a lot about Starfinder. We talk a little bit about it peripherally between me and Mike and his off-mentioned character, Farstucker. But um, besides all that, we didn't complete the campaign. We got very close. I think we were at the final chapter and we kind of had a little bit of a mix up on scheduling and things just kind of fell apart. Uh, there was a lot of personal things, nothing uh, about the game, but a lot of personal things and lives of people. COVID was just getting about, uh, was still about a year off from then, but we had a lot of uh, turmoil and tumult. So people were having to move. And so the group kind of split and we never re really got back on our feet on that. And uh, I just started moving with some other players in our Saturday game. But so let's anyway, let's crack the PDF cover um, of the Starfinder rulebook. I've got the uh, well, physical copy here. And let's talk right off the bat about the big problem with Starfinder for a lot of people. They expected Pathfinder. They expected uh, Pathfinder in space. And in a lot of ways, it is, but it isn't. <laughs> and that, it doesn't sound like a solid answer because really it's a very complex answer. It has a lot of nuance to it. Yes, you do not have space barbarians or necessarily space paladins, uh, but you do have space orcs. There are orcs in a lot of the standard races you would find in the core Pathfinder first edition rulebook. You're going to meet here. So there's little hobgoblins and goblins in space and all that. That said, a lot of the character classes and concepts are present, but they're either with archetypes or they have completely changed. You won't find many barbarians, so to speak, but I suppose there's a way that uh, you can make a more tribal or primitive type character. No nothing says that you have to have the things you do, and there's a few options that have uh, come out on third-party publications as well as uh, Reddit threads on how to do like a space barbarian or a more primitive person from a less developed world. But since it takes place, since the main campaign and the book covers the core system of Galarian, let's start there. And the big thing is, is that Galarian is gone. An event happened in the not too distant past where the planet of Galarian just disappeared. And with it took all the memories, writings, records, both digital and whatever, even writing on stone has disappeared and no one knows what happened, nor can recall. So Glorian's gone and in its place, of course, around the world was Absalom Station, so named for the largest city, supposedly in the Pathfinder setting, the Starfinder setting starts right off with this large mystery. And so of course the Starfinder Society is dedicated to recovering lost information which is nominally called the gap but anyway let's jump into some of the character creations and here is where there is a new approach to ability scores you see in the second edition where you have a random roll option as well as a power level build but you also start 
accumulating attribute bonuses is based on your theme, what your theme is, where you come from, sort of a background, what you want to, and also defines a little bit more of your character. Um, where they came from, what kind of where they're going as well. And so you get to improve four ability scores uh, in this one as well at every five levels rather than just one or two from the Pathfinder game. So that was a big, I was like, oh yeah, player characters can really uh, get their stats up in this one. But uh, yeah, it's a little harder to get your stats off the initial point by. Anyway, um, they also put in a new mechanic, which was we're familiar with hit points. They also put in stamina points. And here's one of my big criticisms is dividing the health pool into two points where the stamina, all your damage comes off your stamina pool first and then goes into your hit point pool after that. Kind of, I don't know. It, I think it would be better if they just started with shield points, to be honest. And that's what I do. That's my house rule. And your shield points, I just say that everybody at this point has uh, a personal shield that they carry and that represents their uh, tech level and variety of devices that they have access to based on their class and their options, or race options. So um, obviously that just goes up like hit points and uh, you get better at it, uh, your, your technology improves because yeah, cyberware and biomods just kind of happen off stage that are part of a leveled character approach, which I kind of like, but I also think the tracks a little bit from the implantation and also augmentation part of those kind of bio and cybernetic modifications. I know some of them are magical bio mods and magical cyberware. So that's kind of a real twist from the cyberpunk Shadowrun games that I have been running. But uh, since I'm going a little bit on long on this, I'm just going to brief it up. What I really liked is the character creation got you with a theme, like the ace pilot, the bounty hunter, uh, an icon like a uh, celebrity, mercenary, outlaw, priest, scholar, space bearer, and uh, xeno seeker. Those are the first ones in there. And then you start with uh, your concept, you then move with your theme, and then you finish with your class. And there's a lot going on in that first area so <clears throat> there's a lot uh, to take in with the changes from what would what was once one uh, pathfinder first edition to this new starfinder and so helping everybody get uh, on board uh, there are new races and so yeah we talked about yeah you could be an elf and a dwarf and they're still in there they're in the back of the book but they come out loud and proud right with some uh, familiar faces and some new races as well. For instance, in Pathfinder, uh, in Numenaria, there is a place uh, where there's a crashed spaceship and uh, androids have stumbled out and uh, they were a player option for the Iron Gods adventure path. So androids are obviously presented here and now uh, fulfillment of that adventure path has echoes all the way into the Starfinder games. That's cool. Of course, you know, there's humans. You know, we all know about that. And if you're also familiar with some of the early uh, interstellar visitors to uh, Galarian, it's the Kasathas and their four-armed kind of conical-headed uh, folk. And not uh, bad or um, really good, kind of just uh, explorers that found their way into the system. And uh, they're more explained in here. They, they have arrived in system to the Galarian uh, space 
solar system with uh, their one of their large motherships that they uh, travel the stars with. And then from, if you're familiar with the deep lore of Pathfinder, you'll know that in, the elves uh, took shelter on Castorville, basically the Venus, the jungle world, next door neighbor to Galarian. And that was inhabited by uh, a dual, uh, I want to call it uh, dual sexual um, race called the Lashuntas. And uh, because the females took more of the priest diplomat roles and the males took more of the warrior and uh, more physical roles in there. But uh, that's changed now. And so both do the, uh, pretty much whatever they want. So the Lashuntas, Kasathas, kind of deep dives into the Pathfinder lore are here. As well as the Yasoki, the rat folk. They seem to have taken well to living in space and they don't take up much resources. So they're small, they're little, and they're very uh, resourceful and cunning and like to play with technology. So the Yasoki have uh, made a definite presence in the future of the Pathfinder world. So the, although the rat folk are uh, present, they have a little clever ability, which I think is fun. It's kind of cheeky, haha, uh, pun intended, which is that they have, they can stuff things into the peak cheek pouches which they can retrieve quickly so besides just grenades and some obvious potion vials there's also other things that you can put in there and then they make a pretty fun one but the two new ones the two new races we get to see are the shirens which in the starfinder universe there was a great uh if you're familiar with the zerg from starcraft or the tyranids from uh, warhammer 40,000, then you'll be you'll pretty much know what i talk about when i say the swarm and then and the shirens are an offshoot that were freed liberated by a massive undertaking by a god and they broke free of their mental enslavement by the swarm hive minds and so now they're they've joined here and they're present and are rather friendly and like having options and then there's the rather militant vesk which well hey well klingons in uh lizard suits but very militant honor bound conquest-driven invaders that uh, have now uh, entered into the pack worlds and all these races as well as some of the old ones like the elves new orcs and others have now joined together to make the pack world and they're dealing with a lot of things that are going on with the disappearance of Golarian as well as the gap and some other uh, recently introduced timelines so yeah uh, also the classes are envoy which is mm, kind of like a bard, I guess. I get, yeah, Envoy just says it all. They're diplomats and sometimes spies and miscreants, if you want to be a little bit more uh, specific about it. Mechanics, which pretty much says it all. And mystics, which are sort of the stand-in for priests. An operative, which, well, uh, can be anything from an assassin to a smuggler to a rogue. So, yeah, you got it right there. And the Solarian, which, well, not quite a Jedi and not quite a Sith, but they do use the light and dark side of the universe. And uh, they manipulate it into weapons or shields or armor. So they have a unique way of expressing themselves besides just like having a lightsaber and chopping people up. Although I imagine that most people who play Solarians, that's what you're there for. And then there's also the familiar soldier and technomancer, which, well, technomancer is a combination of scientists and wizards. So that's what you start with. And there's a lot 
to take in with those. Each one has different, uh, several different paths you can take. And you can, of course, that's your concepts that move on and they focus on archetypes after that. And um, psionics are part of the game um, in this one. So a lot of the uh, races like the Sharon, they um, they click with their mandibles. They don't have vocal cords, so they speak telepathically most of the time. And um, they enjoy, and Lushunta also speak telepathically. So several races uh, have different ways of communicating with you, but every, pretty much right off the bat, Sonics is part of the game, as well as everyone having different abilities that oh, sometimes overlap. And I think that's where our biggest complaint was right off the bat with the game was the skill system. Um, it looked like a lot of people had overlap. Um, obviously characters in the future or in a science fiction setting, everybody's going to have some type of computer use. And it was trying to figure out uh, who was going to be the best one at using the computer because intelligence is a big stat with a lot of the classes. And it sometimes seems like each one of the six classes or seven classes, excuse me, kind of coincided with a specific stat. And there was some overlap in intelligence, and I think that just, uh, yeah, I didn't think it, they thought it out as well as they could have. I think there was a better way to do it. Anyway, um, I'm looking forward to see if maybe they're going to streamline or um, maybe radically change the skill system on how it's done. It's a little swingy, and I think that there's a little too much of an overlap to make people feel comfortable in investing in the skills, especially since they're still using the kind of third edition allocation of skill points but hey you know nobody's perfect and i think that uh my biggest disappointment with all the play tests that they were talking about going into this i think this was one where some of those play test sessions fell a little short um combat weapons work pretty well i do like the way that uh, weapons and armor upgrade you just simply go to a uh, a station or a shop and you just spend credits and you get it because there's automats that make them as well as uh, holographic vendors that sell them to you and it's based on the station and it's a priority ability basically level system to give you what you want so most of the time you're going to be leveling up and improving your equipment kind of as off screen but you know uh, they make the uh, weapons pretty generic so it's kind of like cyberpunk rednet as opposed to like Shadowrun, where Shadowrun is very specific about that. But we'll get on to that. And then the last part, that's uh, there's magic and spells, obviously. Uh, there's psionics as well. Mystics and technomancers are more like sorcerers in Starfinder than they are prepared slot casters, if you understand what that means. In other words... They have a variety of spells that they know. They're more variable. And they get to change or pick which one they want to cast. But there's also some changes up and uh, things that they can heighten and uh, move around. The other thing is uh, um, all these spells start up doing their magic um, maximum damage. You know, for instance, uh, a Technomancer can learn Arcing Surge. Uh, reskinned lightning bolt at seventh level and it just starts out doing 10 die six damage that's that's just it it's um, a lot of the spells start out as their most powerful so that's a lot of fun but it's also very deadly so your one um the other part i think that they did a great job on but 
they kind of fell short was the Starship section. Um, they did a really good job of setting up the Starship design and how Starships, you can travel from one another. They travel vast distances using the drift drives, which, yeah, hyperspace warp drive. But in this case, instead of going into hyperspace, which is some unknown fourth parallel dimension that changes lots of physics, this one you actually travel through the planes. So that's something that already existed in Pathfinder and Starfinder and Starfinder pulls this in. So you're traveling uh, using a magical jump drive to travel through the planes to arrive back in another part of the physical universe. And sometimes when you travel, just like in Warhammer 40,000 through the drift, you pick something up you or bump against or come too close to an elemental plane because they're always moving. And sometimes you uh, just during a spaceship travel um, attack, get attacked by a bunch of Earth elements for no reason because uh, you brush too close up against it. So that's a thing I kind of like. I thought it was neat. And um, of course, then the starship combat. Uh, so this is the most controversial one, and I think it's rather odd for me because I rather liked it. But in starship combat, there are five roles available. There's the commander, which gives the orders, or, or actually in this case gives bonuses to players, putting an emphasis on things and also uh, taking tactical command and making decisions on what to do next. And then there's the engineer who not only just repairs, but also powers and allocates uh, extra points or reinforces shields. And of course, gunners. And then, you know, most of these ships have uh, weapons. And so, yep, it's a free for all in space. So you need a gunners and they do the shootings. And the pilot, you can also do some of the shootings, but does the maneuvering get you out of uh, tight situations or avoids being tracked by missiles? And then finally, the science officer who runs the. Uh, electric countermeasures as well as analyzes and uh, uses sensor data to provide a, a wide array of information on your enemies. So there can be multiple engineers, science officers. I thought that uh, it was a good idea. It resembles the old FASA game, Starship Combat and from Star Trek, they're giving everybody a role. And But the thing that really sold it on that one was uh, on the old FASA for me was they had display sheets. Starfinder really didn't do that. I think Paizo kind of dropped the ball there. I think there was a good opportunity for a niche, uh, maybe magnetic boards with some colorful uh, magnetic stickers to put on there and move around would have been nice. But, you know, also on the second thought, you know, the way the shipbuilding system is, you can have different uh, arrays. But I think that there could have been something there with some dry erase uh, markers and a little bit of imagination i think you could build your own so what do i know you know it's just uh, i just thought they maybe dropped the ball a little bit and didn't think that through but yeah it uh, it it's a solid rule book it's chonky and i think it gives you everything you need it also explains the setting and uh, talks a little bit about the uh, universe beyond and some of the things that happened throughout it and they also, of course, have the obligatory game mastering section, and um, it's actually talks a lot about uh, first edition um, and some other science fiction uh, role-playing games. So they do a pretty good job of tracing the game's roots, and they talk about um, 
how to run this if you're familiar with Pathfinder and how Starfinder is different and yet similar to many other science fiction games. So a lot of good stuff in that besides just introducing how to uh, run the game, deal with uh, breaking stuff and fixing things and traps and afflictions that come through in a lot of role-playing books. So yeah, that's a deep dive into the core rulebook and the main experience. Um, definitely, I would suggest if this is your first time playing Starfinders, if you buy this uh, Humble Bundle Solidarity Pack, get the beginner box because it breaks it down and really uh, gives uh, some nice visual aids to help playing and explaining the difference between this and the, uh, and the main Pathfinder game. Especially with first edition, it was a big option but i think uh with second edition coming in it being it's kind of a, an older version of the game uh, especially with first edition third edition kind of crossover that it has there's a lot to go on on this one so having the beginner box that uh, probably would be the best part for people getting into this version of Pathfinder, Starfinder, the orientation of science fiction, magic, melding together can be a little bit overwhelming. And this puts it all into perspective by uh, having a good starting adventure that gives everybody a taste for how the game is going to play and what's going to happen. So I'm going to get on a little bit on in time. So I'm going to take a quick break and then we're going to come back and talk about the rest of the Starfinder stuff, what you would need and a little bit about the adventure path. So, hopefully you'll stick around. Alright, and welcome back. And we're taking a long look at the Starfinder role-playing game. Giving some reviews of the products. The new Humble Bundle. Why it's a good time to jump in and learn about it. As well as get your foot in the door. Before some other changes come about. All right, so we are talking previously about the core rulebook, the base setting, and took a pretty good look at how the Starfinder game differs from Pathfinder. Not just Pathfinder in space, but a whole new look at classes and some race options, as well as giving you some old familiar races like you know, a grungy dwarven uh, asteroid miner from the belt or an elven uh, pilot. Or a halfling um, a ship envoy or ship steward. You know, those are all viable options to play with this game. So don't let me get you too far off base. If you wanted to play some typical uh, space fantasy mixed up, um, that's still available for you. So, But obviously, as you get into it, um, the fly free or die adventure path has a lot of appeal. And even if you're going with a $5 one, you know, this first peek in i think it can uh, pretty well looks that you could wind it up with just that first one if you wanted to take a little bit of a deeper dive into it past the beginner box but let's say you really like starfinder and you want to get deeper into it well of course there's a lot of things happening um, obviously they're going to have the armory and that was one of the first ones to come out and uh, it's a dangerous universe out there and often the best geared people are going to survive um yeah it pretty much has what you would expect it's the armory so it's going to have lots of weapons and there's new ones for every category really expanding out of the core rulebook uh, i think core rulebook had some pretty good options but 
you know, there was only, for some of them, there was only two for the various weapons and uh, different types of armor, including light, heavy, and powered armor, and a lot of power armor, because that's a fun thing to have, as well as um, new player options, including class features for every class. So this is more like the advanced player's guide. This is a lot of material that was probably cut from the main rule book and left on the cutting room floor. They gathered it up as well as added and uh, fluffed it out with new options and some more stuff to do. And also they talk more about augmentations from cybernetics down to uh, necrographs. Yeah, that's the whole thing. As well as the magical tech that is the uh, process of cyberware and bio enhancements. So a lot of good stuff. And definitely if you're uh, getting into a hardcore campaign, you need more options. This is a must-have. So getting the Starfinder uh, Armory when you can, that's a good one. Definitely can pick it up for about 20 bucks off of the uh, Paizo site. But you can find a couple uh, cheaper ones used or uh, non-mint on Amazon and uh, eBay. That's what I would definitely suggest, especially since seeing that there's going to be a new edition coming up soon. The, the armory is not included in the humble bundle so this is one that's probably if you really like playing starfinder or you know you want to just have access to more options getting starfinder armory is a must have and the other one is uh, right after that uh, i want to just uh, take a moment here and say that the game master guide uh usually you see that not i really haven't seen a game mastery guide for the starfinder uh, role-playing game and uh yeah just uh it's, it's a little odd but i think that they're kind of writing on that what would be in pathfinder game master advice for running and dealing with problems in not just at the table but also situationally i think translates pretty well so maybe they just figured that they don't need one mm. i i think there should be a deeper dive on that there's a couple other little supplements like the uh, world of the deck of endless worlds where uh, it has a very nice little system where you can just deal a lot of hand of cards and you can have a world already ready to go um, which makes you know strange travels or missed jumps from the drift uh, dumping you out into new and unexplored worlds easy to come up with but anyway um the character operation uh manual which is the next expansion really does promise what it says. Uh, this one uh, includes three new classes, the biohacker, the vanguard, and the witch warper, which, which, which is warper. Uh, the witch warper is more of a sorcerer and more focused into spell casting than kind of the cross elements of the technomancer. And the biohacker, instead of going for breaking into computer systems, the biohacker is just a hacker that is, um, hacks the biogenesis more of a shapeshifter. They change themselves. So you're, a little bit of the space druid that you were looking for is kind of here, but mm, more of the shapeshifting variant of the druid is what this is about. And the vanguard, which they basically are a defender who just puts up shields. And for me, this was like the weakest class. I'm like, kind of like, why? But, you know, hey. Some people may like doing that. I, I personally didn't like it very much, but uh, hey, that's just me. And they talk about downtime activities, which uh, 
is a precursor to Pathfinder 2nd Edition. So this is another good one if you need more player options and you want to see some, a little bit more what the system can do. This is also pretty cheap to pick up, so you can find the, the PDFs about 20 bucks for this one. So yeah, if you have a cheap investiture buy-in on this one and you really want to see more of Pathfinder, or Pathfinder, Starfinder, goodness gracious. Starfinder, Pathfinder, Starfinder. You want to see more of Starfinder and what the system can offer for character creation, this is a good one to pick up. And uh, then we go to the one that is in the book, or the main Honda bundle. This is a book that uh, I definitely recommend. If you like messing around with starships, then, well, get you on over, crack the cover on this one. This is good. Um, it basically allows you to design all sizes of uh, starships from fighters all the way to massive colossal space stations and if you want to run a more starship based campaign this is a big one and i and it's good that they included this in the hum, humble bundle because it's very important that people have a starfinder uh well they have a starship in their starfinder adventures almost every group is going to have one and if you want to play a more naval based game where you're basically piloting massive starships plowing through space. Here you go. This is what you need. So that's a pretty good one as well. As well as they provided, there's four alien archive, alien archives, which have a diverse amount of creatures, some familiar and most very new. And so any alien archive or monster manual type book is best advised to have new monsters and I think when they started to develop for Starfinder, this is where they really show. There is a good diversity of creatures that players will have no idea how to handle because they haven't seen them before. And that's always fun. So um, I can really don't have an overview about Alien Archives other than to say that the ones that come in the Humble Bundle, the three of them, will provide you with more than enough uh, monsters and foes, as well as friends, to throw at your players. And it keeps them off guard, as well as some player options. Uh, one of the big things with Starfinder that I think that needs to be mentioned is how easy it is to use many of the aliens and adversaries as player characters. And rather than just being a stat block for, to gain experience points from, many of these creatures that you encounter can become new player characters or allies. So. Win-win. Uh, it's not only just for the Game Master to terrorize players with. A lot of these creatures in here, in the Alien Archive, are potential allies and uh, new recruits for and options for player characters to test out. So, yeah, I hope you enjoy that. And then, based on the next one, uh, the Starfinder Tech Revolution, that's a one that allows you to basically... It puts the technology up front as it rivals starts to rival magic. And one of the ways to do this is they have the nanocyte, who is basically a master of nanites. And they just conjure weapons, armor, and gear from thin airs. The nanites assemble themselves to their will. And this is where the our finder setting starts to blur its barrier between magic and technology. And so this is a really good one. It obviously is going to be uh, for more tech-oriented characters, but in Starfinder, everybody's using technology, so almost all your players are going to uh, 
benefit from this one. I would definitely recommend picking this one up the PDF if you haven't. So anyway, I got to take a quick break. Got a call coming in. So we'll be right back. All right, and we're back. So hey, thanks for sticking around. All right, yeah, so we were talking about the Alien Archive and some of the other supplements you need to delve into the deeper lore of the Starfinder role-playing game and universe that they present. And that's where I think Paizo's done a great job of providing an ample environment for players and game masters to delve into and explore, both canonically and making your own lore or your own adventures. And with the Alien Archive, I think there's a lot to be said for them spreading out the usefulness of that supplement more than just for the purview of Game Masters to throw opponents to terrorize their players with, but also for players to look at and be able to play new races and new species and develop them as a unique way of exploring the universe through a different set of eyes or lenses in in this case, maybe. So that said, uh, we talked a lot about the adventures. Uh, We alluded that the adventure path, life for your die is really good because I think it puts the players in an adversarial role versus crime syndicates, double dealing corporations and other malevolent entities. So there's a lot of adversarial relationship and nothing motivates players like revenge. So a good start with that. I think the adventure path, the first one, if you buy the $5 option, it stands on its own. It's because it can, I think it's pretty self-contained and I'm not going to give any spoilers because I might be running it for my group. So yeah, that's the whole thing. Um, maybe we'll take a look back at it sometime. But some criticisms of the Starfinder game are, are due here as well as we'll, we'll kind of close it out. One of the big criticisms, as I mentioned, was the division of health pools into stamina and uh, hit points, one for stun, one for uh, physical damage, which, yeah, I can understand, but um, again, I think shields work a lot better, and I've seen it done uh, several other different ways as well. You can meld them together, you can... uh, just use dual damage if you just want to go with hit points makes the game a lot more lethal but it does allow uh you to divide your stun damage uh, the damage in as it's been done in a lot of third edition and uh, pathfinder first edition stun is just divided into a different category of damage and is tracked separately that said i think it works well enough if you kind of just kind of close your eyes and just pretend that it's not a big deal but for me it was very jarring and obviously with my allegory there it's not something i'm really happy with i wish they would have done something else um the skill system yeah i talked briefly about that and i think it's worth landing again on that while everybody has the same uses i think i would have liked to have seen a skill system that promoted levels of or skill ranks as being able to do more and skill ranks added with class features being able to do more. I think that would have solved some of the problem. Um, but, you know, I also think that they were kind of just working on the concept that, hey, skills will function uh, pretty much like they did in Pathfinder 1st Edition. And that may be a holdover of the system rather than they neglected to do their 
due diligence and play test it properly. I think the skill system in first edition is just as bad in many ways, if not worse. Uh, the skills uh, list is a little tighter, but it seems to encompass a larger degree of abilities that just, and well, yeah, everybody's going to have a computer skill. Everybody's going to have some ability to interface with technology. That's a given, but seeing certain uh, classes, especially like the operative or the engineer have different uh, abilities, how they can use those skills would have been nice. So enough said, I think we've been pretty exhausted about that. The other part, the starship combat seems to be a controversy with a lot of people. Some people just don't like it. Um, you have to basically stop what you're doing, put a map down in the middle of the table and then put uh, markers or miniatures up and start having a big space fight. Now, for some people, that sounds like, hey, that sounds like a great time. And other people, that sounds very disruptive. And especially if you don't have a lot of play area or you're playing online, this can be a big problem. That said, um, there's ways around it. Obviously, virtual tabletops. Uh, you can kind of use a theater in the mind and you can just basically whip out a piece of graph paper or even uh, or hex paper if you still got it and track it that way, just making little pencil marks across the thing. I think there's something to be said for having space combat be a tactical encounter, but mm, space combat is not always going to factor in in every session. So, yeah, it's a thing that probably, uh, as the Game Master and players, you might have to do a little bit more prep and planning on that one. Also, there seems to be a big lack of Game Mastery advice. Um, I don't think it's intentional. I just think that there's a presumption that you're already experienced enough as a game master to know what's going on here. But I think there's some advice for science fiction games, especially dark science fiction games that seem to have. So I think there's a variety of ways that um, Paizo could have incorporated game mastery advice for science fiction games, but um, they do give a nice appendix and a nod to enough games that I think maybe that was their nod. Anyway, it's kind of strange because you always see like Game Master Guides, Dungeon Master Guides given out a lot of times these days. And I think that an advanced Game Master Guide for Starfinder would have been pretty cool. But nonetheless, they've got a lot of supplements and they've done a good job of fleshing out the universe. and. Criticisms aside, we'll go, we like to end with a good note. So the universe is well-crafted. They've got a stunning array of enemies and villains, adversaries that you just love to hate and are fun to fight from the Aeon Empire who basically are green uh, garb stormtroopers to guys in power suits to the swarm I mean, they, you can run the gamut of it. And as we've talked about villainous mega corporations, hey, who doesn't want to stick it to the man? As well as uh, steal from those who have much to steal from and really won't miss it. Those are all good themes. And I think that uh, despite some of the rough starts that we had with Starfinder, there's a lot of potential here for good gaming. So with a lot of folks who probably listen to podcasts, they prefer Traveler or Star Frontiers or one of the more traditionally based 
science fiction games, Starfinder offers a nice admixture of magic, technology, and mayhem, along with some novel ideas and spins on classic tropes and characters that we're pretty used to from both fantasy and science fiction. Uh, the Solarian is a good example of that, basically taking the Jedi, turning uh, it around, dividing it uh, into light and dark without the Force, but using the universe and no all-encompassing order or sinister pair of goons running the shows on either side. Um, the light side is not necessarily good, and the dark side is not necessarily bad, but you do get that they are in opposition to one another. And some Solarians finding the balance, I think this is a good point that Star Wars Jedi characters uh, lack. I think there's a lot of flexibility there, and the Solarian is definitely a really cool character concept and needs to be explored more in the Starfinder universe. It's definitely one of my favorite classes, and I definitely uh, think that it offers a unique experience. So, hey, that said, uh, I think there's some other things that we can land a point on here as I close it out. It's been a little bit of a busy day on the phone side, so I've been answering phones. But uh, nonetheless, I think um, there's another thing here is that the undead feature a lot more. Uh, obviously, uh, space ghosts or space skeletons uh, are kind of a neat trope. Dead astronauts and uh, all that are kind of spooky. But uh, Starfinder really takes it to the next level as there is a whole planet of the undead. And uh, they don't just like hang around in graveyards uh, talking to each other about uh, old philosophical theories. They actually have a whole society. And at in the intro adventure path, Dead Sons, you really uh, go against the... Uh, so-called outcasts of the undead society and uh, you find out that they're not really outcasts they're just uh, this is their versionary tactic they really want to annihilate the living so yeah nightmarish uh, as it is um, that offers a different science fiction fantasy overlap that is unique to the kind of genre of adventure gaming and the dungeon dragons trope or adjacent trope as pathfinder has now become so, all in all, I think this is a good time to get in. Uh, there are some detractors saying that uh, Starfinder is going to be uh, radically different than this form. Um, if you're familiar with Pathfinder and 3. Point whatever, we'll just say 3.x, this is a pretty easy entry point. And really what you're getting is the lore. And... The price is right. I mean, five dollars, you're you're in. You're you're in on the ground floor. You've got the beginner's box and the core rule book and the alien archive. You know, if that's all you play and it's an offshoot and you just do a couple games of it, yeah, you got your money's worth out of it. I think that's good, and it also gets you used to lore. So when the new edition shows up and you're not too heavily invested in monetarily wise, you can jump right in and be ready to go. And you know, that's you're familiar with the universe and the setting. It'll be one less thing you have to really uh, learn. All you have to do is learn the new rules. So that's my pitch on it. I'm not really shilling for Paizo or anything like that. I just enjoyed the Starfinder game. And I, um, even though we've had some problems with it, it deserves another look. And I think this is a good way to get on board on that and get 
behind it. So I hope you enjoyed our little solo cast here. I'm going to wrap it up and get on the way. But uh, I hope you're all doing fine. And uh, Mike should be with us next week. But uh, if not, we'll keep on trucking along. So until next time, we'll see you later. <laughs>